part two of yellowstone national park six early pieces by various this librivox recording is in the public domain part two the wonders of the yellowstone part one i had indulged for several years a great curiosity to see the wonders of the upper valley of the yellowstone the stories told by trappers and mountaineers of the natural phenomena of that region were so strange and marvellous that as long ago as eighteen sixty six i first contemplated the possibility of organizing an expedition for the express purpose of exploring it during the past year meeting with several gentlemen who expressed like curiosity we determined to make the journey in the months of august and september the yellowstone and columbia the first flowing into the missouri and the last into the pacific divided from each other by the rocky mountains have their sources within a few miles of each other both rise in the mountains which separate idaho from the new territory of wyoming but the headwaters of the yellowstone are only accessible from montana the mountains surrounding the basin from which they flow are very lofty covered with pines and on the southeastern side present to the traveller a precipitous wall of rock several thousand feet in height this barrier prevented captain reynolds from visiting the headwaters of the yellowstone while prosecuting an expedition planned by the government and placed under his command for the purpose of exploring that river in eighteen fifty nine the source of the yellowstone is in a magnificent lake nearly nine thousand feet above the level of the ocean in its course of one thousand three hundred miles to the missouri it falls about seven thousand two hundred feet its upper waters flow through deep canyons and gorges and are broken by immense cataracts and fearful rapids presenting at various points some of the grandest scenery on the continent this country is entirely volcanic and abounds in boiling springs mud volcanoes huge mountains of sulphur and geysers more extensive and numerous than those of iceland old mountaineers and trappers are great romancers i have met with many but never one who was not fond of practising upon the credulity of those who listened to his adventures bridger than whom perhaps no man has experienced more of wild mountain life has been so much in the habit of embellishing his indian adventures that they are received by all who know him with many grains of allowance this want of faith will account for the scepticism with which the oft-repeated stories of the wonders of the upper yellowstone were received by people who had lived within one hundred and twenty miles of them and who at any time could have established their verity by ten days travel our company composed of some of the officials and leading citizens of montana felt that if the half was true they would be amply compensated for all the troubles and hazards of the expedition it was nevertheless a serious undertaking and as the time drew near for our departure several who had been foremost to join us upon the receipt of intelligence that a large party of indians had come into the upper yellowstone valley found excuse for their withdrawal in various emergent occupations so that when the day for our departure arrived our company was reduced in numbers to nine and consisted of the following named gentlemen general h d washburn who served with distinction during the war of the rebellion and subsequently represented the clinton district of indiana in the congress of the united states samuel t hauser president of the first national bank of helena cornelius hedges a leading member of the bar of montana the hon truman c everts late united states assessor for montana walter trumbull son of senator trumbull ben stickney jr warren c gillette jacob smith and the writer the preparation was simple each man was supplied with a strong horse well equipped with california saddle bridle and cantinas a needle gun a belt filled with cartridges a pair of revolvers a hunting knife added to the usual costume of the mountains completed the personal outfit of each member of the expedition when mounted and ready to start we resembled more a band of brigands than sober men in search of natural wonders our provisions consisting of bacon dried fruit flour and so forth were securely lashed to the backs of twelve broncos which were placed in charge of a couple of packers we also employed two colored boys as cooks 
major general hancock in favourable response to our application for a military escort had given orders for a company of cavalry to accompany us which we expected to join at fort ellis in the gallatin valley a distance of one hundred and twenty miles from helena we were none the less obliged to general hancock for his prompt compliance with our application for an escort because of his own desire previously expressed to learn something of the country we explored which would be of service to him in the disposition of the troops under his command for frontier defence and if the result of our explorations in the least contributed to that end we still remain the debtor of that officer for his courtesy and kindness without which we might have failed altogether in our undertaking our ride to fort ellis through a well-settled portion of the territory was accomplished in four days that portion of the valleys of the missouri and gallatin through which we passed dotted with numerous ranches presented large fields of wheat oats potatoes and other evidences of thrift common in agricultural districts large droves of cattle were feeding upon the bunch grass which carpeted the valleys and foothills even the mountains so wild solemn and unsocial a few years ago seemed to be domesticated as they reared their familiar summits in long and continuous succession along the bordering uplands at the three forks where the jefferson madison and gallatin unite and form the missouri a thriving agricultural community has sprung up which must eventually grow into a town of considerable importance entering the magnificent valley of the gallatin at this point our course up the river lay through one of the finest agricultural regions on the continent the soil is remarkably fertile and the valley stretches away on either side a distance of twenty miles to immense mountain ranges which traverse its entire length enclosing a territory as large as one of the larger new england states every foot of which is susceptible of the highest cultivation bozeman a picturesque village of seven hundred inhabitants situated at the foot of the belt range of mountains is considered one of the most important prospective business locations in montana it is near the mouth of one of the few mountain passes of the territory deemed practicable for railroad improvement its inhabitants are patiently awaiting the time when the cars of the northern pacific will descend into their streets the village is neatly built of wood and brick its surroundings are magnificent the eye can distinctly trace the mountains by which it is encircled a distance of four hundred miles fort ellis three miles distant is built upon a table of land elevated above the valley and which overlooks it for a great distance our party was welcomed by colonel raker the commandant and we pitched our tent near the post on the morning succeeding our arrival we were informed that owing to the absence on duty of most of the soldiers a fraction of a company five cavalrymen and a lieutenant in command were all that could be afforded for our escort but realizing that a small body of white men can more easily elude a band of indians than can a large party and without hesitating to consider the possible defence which we could make against a war party of hostile sioux with this limited number we declared ourselves satisfied and took our departure for the terra incognita as fully assured of a successful journey as if our number had been multiplied by hundreds our pack-horses were brought up and their loads fastened to them with that incredible rapidity and skill which is the result only of lifelong practice the dexterity with which a skilful packer will load and unload his horse is remarkable the rope is thrown around the body of the animal and securely fastened in less time than it takes to tell it no matter what the character of the beast wild or tame it is under the perfect control of its master the bronco is however a refractory customer he has many tricks unknown to his well-trained brother of the east bucking is a frequent vice for which there is small remedy but as was proved in a single instance on the morning we left the fort that horse must be more expert than was any of our train who can foil an experienced packer every leap of the enraged brute only increased the tension of the cord which bound and finally subdued him and rendered him tractable 
once under way our little company now increased to nineteen presented quite a formidable appearance as by dint of whip and spur our steeds gaily wheeled across the plain towards the mountains after a tedious ride of several hours up steep acclivities over rocks and through dark defiles we at length passed over the summit of the mountain range took a last look of the beautiful valley of the gallatin and descended into a ravine coursed by the waters of trail creek following this two days we came to the yellowstone up which we rode to the solitary ranch of the brothers bodeler the last abode of civilized man in the direction of our travels these hardy mountaineers received and entertained us in hardy mountain style giving us the best of everything their ranch afforded together with a great deal of information and advice about the country which we afterwards found to be invaluable the bodlers belong to that class of pioneers of which there are many in the new territories who are only satisfied when their location and field of operations are a little in advance of civilization exposed to privation and danger and yet unite with these discomforts some advantages of hunting trapping and fishing not enjoyed by men contented to dwell in safety free-hearted jolly and brave living upon such means as the country afforded accustomed to roam for days and weeks in the mountains in pursuit of game and furs their experience renewed our courage and the descriptions which they gave us of the wonders they had seen increased our curiosity it was not pleasant however to learn that twenty-five lodges of crows had gone up the valley a few days before our arrival or to be told by a trapper whom we met that he had been robbed by them and in common parlance been set on foot by having his horse and provisions stolen in anticipation of possible trouble from this source we organized our company and elected general h d washburn surveyor-general of montana commander it was understood that we should make but one march each day starting at eight a m and camping at three p m this obviated the necessity of unpacking and cooking a dinner at night the horses were to be carefully picketed a fire built beyond them and two of the company to keep guard until one o'clock then to be relieved by two others who were to watch until daylight this divided the labor among fourteen who were to serve as picket men twice each week these precautionary measures being fully understood we left bodeler's plunging at once into the vast unknown which lay before us following the slight indian trail we travelled near the bank of the river amid the wildest imaginable scenery of river rock and mountain the foothills were covered with verdure which an autumnal sun had sprinkled with maroon-coloured tints very delicate and beautiful the path was narrow rocky and uneven frequently leading over high hills in ascent and descent more or less abrupt and difficult the increasing altitude of the route was more perceptible than any over which we had ever travelled and the river whenever visible was a perfect mountain torrent while descending a hill into one of the broad openings of the valley our attention was suddenly arrested by half a dozen or more mounted indians who were riding down the foothills on the opposite side of the river two of our company who had lingered behind came up with the information that they had seen several more making observations from behind a small butte from which they fled in great haste on being discovered they soon rode down on the plateau to a point where their horses were hobbled and for a long time watched our party as it continued its course of travel up the river our camp was guarded that night with more than ordinary vigilance a hard rainstorm which set in early in the afternoon and continued through the night may have saved us from an attack by these prowlers when we started the next morning general washburn detailed four of our company to guard the pack train while he with four others rode in advance to make the most practicable selection of routes six miles above our camp we ascended the spur of a mountain which came down boldly to the river's edge from its summit we had a beautiful view of the valley stretched out before us 
the river fringed with cottonwood trees the foothills covered with luxuriant many-tinted herbage and over all the snow-crowned summits of the mountains many miles away but seemingly rising from the midst of the plateau at our feet looking up the river the valley opened widely and from the rock on which we stood was visible the train of pack-horses slowly winding their way along the sinuous trail which followed the inequalities of the mountain-side the whole formed a scene of great interest pursuing our course a few miles further we camped just below the lower canyon of the river our hunters provided us with a sumptuous meal of antelope rabbit duck grouse and trout the night was very cold the mercury standing at forty degrees when we broke camp at eight o'clock the next morning we remained some time at the lower canyon of the yellowstone which as a single isolated piece of scenery is very beautiful it is less than a mile in length and perhaps does not exceed a thousand feet in depth its walls are vertical and seen from the summit of the precipice the river seems forced through a narrow gorge and is surging and boiling at a fearful rate the water breaking into millions of prismatic drops against every projecting rock after travelling six miles over the mountains above the canyon we again descended into a broad and open valley skirted by a level upland for several miles here an object met our attention which deserves more than a casual notice it was two parallel vertical walls of rock projecting from the side of a mountain to the height of a hundred and twenty-five feet traversing the mountain from base to summit a distance of one thousand five hundred feet these walls were not to exceed thirty feet in width and their tops for the whole length were crowned with a growth of pines the sides were as even as if they had been worked by line and plumb the whole space between and on either side of them having been completely eroded and washed away we had seen many of the capricious works wrought by erosion upon the friable rocks of montana but never before upon so majestic a scale here an entire mountainside by wind and water had been removed leaving as the evidence of their protracted toil these vertical projections which but for their immensity might as readily be mistaken for works of art as of nature their smooth sides uniform width and height and great length considered in connection with the causes which had wrought their insulation excited our wonder and admiration they were all the more curious because of their dissimilarity to any other striking objects in natural scenery that we had ever seen or heard of in future years when the wonders of the yellowstone are incorporated into the family of fashionable resorts there will be few of its attractions surpassing in interest this marvellous freak of the elements for some reason best understood by himself one of our companions gave to these rocks the name of the devil's slide the suggestion was unfortunate as with more reason perhaps but with no better taste we frequently had occasion to appropriate other portions of the person of his satanic majesty or of his dominion in signification of the varied marvels we met with some little excuse may be found for this in the fact that the old mountaineers and trappers who preceded us had been peculiarly lavish in the use of the infernal vocabulary every river and glen and mountain had suggested to their imaginations some fancied resemblance to portions of a region which their pious grandmothers had warned them to avoid it is common for them when speaking of this region to designate portions of its physical features as firehole prairie the devil's glen hell-roaring river and so forth and these names from a remarkable fitness of things are not likely to be speedily superseded by others less impressive we camped at the close of this day's travel near the southwestern corner of montana at the mouth of gardner's river crossing this stream the next morning we passed over several rocky ridges into a valley which for a long distance was crowded with the spires of protruding rocks which gave it such a dismal aspect that we named it the valley of desolation the trail was so rough and mountainous that we were able to travel but six miles before the usual hour for camping much of the distance was through fallen timber almost impassable by the pack train 
a mile before camping we discovered on the trail the fresh tracks of unshod ponies indicating that a party of indians had recently passed over it lieutenant doane with one of our company had left us in the morning and did not come into camp this evening one of our horses broke his lariat during the night and galloped through the camp rousing the sleepers who grasped their guns supposing the indians were really upon them we started early the next morning and soon struck the trail which had been travelled the preceding day by lieutenant doane it led over a more practicable route than the one we left the marks made in the soil by the travois lodge poles on the side of the trail showed that it had been recently travelled by a number of lodges of indians and a little colt which we overtook soon after making the discovery convinced us that we were in their immediate vicinity our party was separated and if we had been attacked our pack-train horses and stores would have been an easy conquest fortunately we were unmolested and when again united made a fresh resolution to travel as much in company as possible all precautionary measures however unless enforced by the sternest discipline are soon forgotten and danger until actually impending is seldom borne in mind a day had scarcely passed when we were as reckless as ever from the summit of a commanding range which separated the waters of antelope and tower creeks we descended through a picturesque gorge leading our horses to a small stream flowing into the yellowstone four miles of travel a great part of it down the precipitous slopes of the mountain brought us to the banks of tower creek and within the volcanic region where the wonders were supposed to commence on the right of the trail our attention was first attracted by a small hot sulphur spring a little below the boiling point in temperature leaving the spring we ascended a high ridge from which the most noticeable feature in a landscape of great extent and beauty was column rock stretching for two miles along the eastern bank of the yellowstone at the distance from which we saw it we could compare it in appearance to nothing but a section of the giant's causeway it was composed of successive pillars of basalt overlying and underlying a thick stratum of cement and gravel resembling pudding-stone in both rows the pillars standing in close proximity were each about thirty feet high and from three to five feet in diameter this interesting object more from the novelty of its formation and its beautiful surroundings of mountain and river scenery than anything grand or impressive in its appearance excited our attention until the gathering shades of evening reminded us of the necessity of selecting a suitable camp we descended the declivity to the banks of tower creek and camped on a rocky terrace one mile distant from and four hundred feet above the yellowstone tower creek is a mountain torrent flowing through a gorge about forty yards wide just below our camp it falls perpendicularly over an even ledge a hundred and twelve feet forming one of the most beautiful cataracts in the world for some distance above the falls the stream is broken into a great number of channels each of which has worked a tortuous course through a compact body of shale to the verge of the precipice where they reunite and form the fall the countless shapes into which the shale has been wrought by the action of the angry waters add a feature of great interest to the scene spires of solid shale capped with slate beautifully rounded and polished faultless in symmetry raise their tapering forms to the height of from eighty to a hundred and fifty feet all over the plateau above the cataract some resemble towers others the spires of churches and others still shoot up as lithe and slender as the minarets of a mosque some of the loftiest of these formations standing like sentinels upon the very brink of the fall are accessible to an expert and adventurous climber the position attained on one of their narrow summits amid the roar of waters and at a height of two hundred and fifty feet above the boiling chasm as the writer can affirm requires a steady head and strong nerves yet the view which rewards the temerity of the exploit is full of compensations below the fall the stream descends in numerous rapids with frightful velocity through a gloomy gorge to its union with the yellowstone 
its bed is filled with enormous boulders against which the rushing waters break with great fury many of the capricious formations wrought from the shale excite merriment as well as wonder of this kind especially was a huge mass sixty feet in height which from its supposed resemblance to the proverbial foot of his satanic majesty we called the devil's hoof the scenery of mountain rock and forest surrounding the falls is very beautiful here too the hunter and fisherman can indulge their tastes with the certainty of ample reward as a half-way resort to the greater wonders still farther up the marvellous river the visitor of future years will find no more delightful resting-place no account of this beautiful fall has ever been given by any of the former visitors to this region the name of tower falls which we gave it was suggested by some of the most conspicuous features of the scenery early the next morning several of our company left in advance to explore a passage for our pack train over the mountains which were very steep and lofty we had been following a bend in the river but as no sign of a change in its course was apparent our object was by finding a shorter route across the country to avoid several days of toilsome travel the advance party ascended a lofty peak by barometrical measurement ten thousand five hundred and eighty feet above ocean level which in honour of our commander was called mount washburn from its summit four hundred feet above the line of perpetual snow we were able to trace the course of the river to its source in yellowstone lake at the point where we crossed the line of vegetation the snow covered the side of the apex of the mountain to the depth of twenty feet and seemed to be as solid as the rocks upon which it rested descending the mountain we came upon the trail made by the pack train at its base which we followed into camp at the head of a small stream flowing into the yellowstone following this stream in the direction of its mouth at the distance of a mile below our camp we crossed an immense bed of volcanic ashes thirty feet deep extending one hundred yards along both sides of the creek less than a mile beyond we suddenly came upon a hideous-looking glen filled with the sulphurous vapour emitted from six or eight boiling springs of great size and activity one of our company aptly compared it to the entrance to the infernal regions it looked like nothing earthly we had ever seen and the pungent fumes which filled the atmosphere were not unaccompanied by a disagreeable sense of possible suffocation entering the basin cautiously we found the entire surface of the earth covered with the encrusted centre thrown from the springs jets of hot vapour were expelled through a hundred natural orifices with which it was pierced and through every fracture made by passing over it the springs themselves were as diabolical in appearance as the witch's cauldron in macbeth and needed but the presence of hecate and her weird band to realize that horrible creation of poetic fancy they were all in a state of violent ebullition throwing their liquid contents to the height of three or four feet the largest had a basin twenty by forty feet in diameter its greenish-yellow water was covered with bubbles which were constantly rising bursting and emitting sulphurous gas from various parts of its surface the central spring seethed and bubbled like a boiling cauldron fearful volumes of vapour were constantly escaping it near it was another not so large but more infernal in appearance its contents of the consistency of paint were in constant noisy ebullition a stick thrust into it on being withdrawn was coated with lead-coloured slime a quarter of an inch in thickness nothing flows from this spring seemingly it is boiling down a fourth spring which exhibited the same physical features was partly covered by an overhanging ledge of rock we tried to fathom it but the bottom was beyond the reach of the longest pole we could find rocks cast into it increased the agitation of its waters there were several other springs in the group smaller in size but presenting the same characteristics the approach to them was unsafe the incrustation surrounding them bending in many places beneath our weight and from the fractures thus created would ooze a sulphury slime of the consistency of mucilage 
it was with great difficulty that we obtained specimens from the natural apertures with which the crust is filled a feat which was accomplished by one only of our party who extended himself at full length upon that portion of the incrustation which yielded the least but which was not sufficiently strong to bear his weight while in an upright position and at imminent risk of sinking into the infernal mixture rolled over and over to the edge of the opening and with the crust slowly bending and sinking beneath him hurriedly secured the coveted prize there was something so revolting in the general appearance of the springs and their surroundings the foulness of the vapours the infernal contents the treacherous incrustation the noisy ebullition the general appearance of desolation and the seclusion and wildness of the location that though awestruck we were not unreluctant to continue our journey without making them a second visit they were probably never before seen by white men the name of hell broth springs which we gave them fully expressed our appreciation of their character our journey the next day still continued through a country until then untravelled owing to the high lateral mountain spurs the numerous ravines and the interminable patches of fallen timber we made very slow progress but when the hour for camping arrived we were greatly surprised to find ourselves descending the mountain along the banks of a beautiful stream in the immediate vicinity of the great falls of the yellowstone this stream which we called cascade creek is very rapid just before its union with the river it passes through a gloomy gorge of abrupt descent which on either side is filled with continuous masses of obsidian that have been worn by the water into many fantastic shapes and cavernous recesses this we named the devil's den near the foot of the gorge the creek breaks from fearful rapids into a cascade of great beauty the first fall of five feet is immediately succeeded by another of fifteen into a pool as clear as amber nestled beneath overarching rocks here it lingers as if half reluctant to continue its course and then gracefully emerges from the grotto and veiling the rocks down an abrupt descent of eighty-four feet passes rapidly on to the yellowstone it received the name of crystal the great falls are at the head of one of the most remarkable canyons in the world a gorge through volcanic rocks fifty miles long and varying from one thousand to nearly five thousand feet in depth in its descent through this wonderful chasm the river falls almost three thousand feet at one point where the passage has been worn through a mountain range our hunters assured us it was more than a vertical mile in depth and the river broken into rapids and cascades appeared no wider than a ribbon the brain reels as we gaze into this profound and solemn solitude we shrink from the dizzy verge appalled glad to feel the solid earth under our feet and venture no more except with forms extended and faces barely protruding over the edge of the precipice the stillness is horrible down 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 we see the river attenuated to a thread tossing its miniature waves and dashing with puny strength the massive walls which imprison it all access to its margin is denied and the dark gray rocks hold it in dismal shadow even the voice of its waters in their convulsive agony cannot be heard uncheered by plant or shrub obstructed with massive boulders and by jutting points it rushes madly on its solitary course deeper and deeper into the bowels of the rocky firmament the solemn grandeur of the scene surpasses description it must be seen to be felt the sense of danger with which it impresses you is harrowing in the extreme you feel the absence of sound the oppression of absolute silence if you could only hear that gurgling river if you could only see a living tree in the depth beneath you if a bird would fly past if the wind would move any object in the awful chasm to break for a moment the solemn silence that reigns there it would relieve that tension of the nerves which the scene has excited and you would rise from your prostrate condition and thank god that he had permitted you to gaze unharmed upon this majestic display 
of natural architecture as it is sympathizing in spirit with the deep gloom of the scene you crawl from the dreadful verge scared lest the firm rock give way beneath and precipitate you into the horrid gulf we had been told by trappers and mountaineers that there were cataracts in this vicinity a thousand feet high but if so they must be lower down the canyon in that portion of it which by our journey across the bend in the river we failed to see we regretted when too late that we had not made a fuller exploration for by no other theory than that there was a stupendous fall below us or that the river was broken by a continued succession of cascades could we account for a difference of nearly three thousand feet in altitude between the head and the mouth of the canyon in that part of the canyon which we saw the inclination of the river was marked by frequent falls fifteen and twenty feet in height sufficient if continuous through it to accomplish the entire descent the fearful descent into this terrific canyon was accomplished with great difficulty by messrs hauser and stickney at a point about two miles below the falls by trigonometrical measurement they found the chasm at that point to be one thousand one hundred and ninety feet deep their ascent from it was perilous and it was only by making good use of hands and feet and keeping the nerves braced to the utmost tension that they were enabled to clamber up the precipitous rocks to a safe landing-place the effort was successfully made but none others of the company were disposed to venture from a first view of the canyon we followed the river to the falls a grander scene than the lower cataract of the yellowstone was never witnessed by mortal eyes the volume seemed to be adapted to all the harmonies of the surrounding scenery had it been greater or smaller it would have been less impressive the river from a width of two hundred feet above the fall is compressed by converging rocks to one hundred and fifty feet where it takes the plunge the shelf over which it falls is as level and even as a work of art the height by actual line measurement is a few inches more than three hundred and fifty feet it is a sheer compact solid perpendicular sheet faultless in all the elements of grandeur and picturesque beauties the canyon which commences at the upper fall half a mile above this cataract is here a thousand feet in depth its vertical sides rise gray and dark above the fall to shelving summits from which one can look down into the boiling spray-filled chasm enlivened with rainbows and glittering like a shower of diamonds from a shelf protruding over the stream five hundred feet below the top of the canyon and a hundred and eighty above the verge of the cataract a member of our company lying prone upon the rock let down a cord with a stone attached into the gulf and measured its profoundest depths the life and sound of the cataract with its sparkling spray and fleecy foam contrast strangely with the sombre stillness of the canyon a mile below there all was darkness gloom and shadow here all was vivacity gaiety and delight one was the most unsocial the other the most social scene in nature we could talk and sing and whoop waking the echoes with our mirth and laughter in presence of the falls but we could not thus profane the silence of the canyon seen through the canyon below the falls the river for a mile or more is broken by rapids and cascades of great variety and beauty between the lower and upper falls the canyon is two hundred to nearly four hundred feet deep the river runs over a level bed of rock and is undisturbed by rapids until near the verge of the lower fall the upper fall is entirely unlike the other but in its peculiar character equally interesting for some distance above it the river breaks into frightful rapids the stream is narrowed between the rocks as it approaches the brink and bounds with impatient struggles for release leaping through the stony jaws in a sheet of snow-white foam over a precipice nearly perpendicular a hundred and fifteen feet high midway in its descent the entire volume of water is carried by the sloping surface of an intervening ledge twelve or fifteen feet beyond the vertical base of the precipice gaining therefrom a novel and interesting feature the churning of the water upon the rocks reduces it to a mass of foam and spray 
through which all the colors of the solar spectrum are reproduced in astonishing profusion what this cataract lacks in sublimity is more than compensated by picturesqueness the rocks which overshadow it do not veil it from the open light it is up amid the pine foliage which crowns the adjacent hills the grand feature of a landscape unrivalled for beauties of vegetation as well as of rock and glen the two confronting rocks overhanging the verge at the height of a hundred feet or more could be readily united by a bridge from which some of the grandest views of natural scenery in the world could be obtained while just in front of and within reaching distance of the arrowy water from a table one-third of the way below the brink of the fall all its nearest beauties and terrors may be caught at a glance we rambled around the falls and canyon two days and left them with the unpleasant conviction that the greatest wonder of our journey had been seen we indulged in a last and lingering glance at the falls on the morning of the first day of autumn the sun shone brightly and the laughing waters of the upper fall were filled with the glitter of rainbows and diamonds nature in the excess of her prodigality had seemingly determined that this last look should be the brightest for there was everything in the landscape illuminated by the rising sun to invite a longer stay even the dismal canyon so dark and gray and still reflected here and there on its vertical surface patches of sunshine as much as to say see what i can do when i try long vistas of light broke through the pines which crowned the contiguous mountains and the snow-crowned peaks in the distance glistened like crystal catching the spirit of the scene we laughed and sung and whooped as we rambled hurriedly from point to point lingering only when the final moment came to receive the very last impression at length we turned our backs upon the scene and wended our way slowly up the river bank along a beaten trail the last vestige of the rapids disappeared at the distance of half a mile above the upper fall the river expanded to the width of four hundred feet rolled peacefully between low verdant banks the water for some distance was of that emerald hue which is so distinguishing a feature of niagara the bottom was pebbly and but for the treacherous quicksands and crevices of which it was full we could easily have forded the stream at any point between the falls and our camping-place we crossed a little creek strongly impregnated with alum and three miles beyond found ourselves in the midst of volcanic wonders of great variety and profusion the region was filled with boiling springs and craters two hills each three hundred feet high and from a quarter to half a mile across had been formed wholly of the centre thrown from adjacent springs lava sulphur and reddish-brown clay hot streams of vapour were pouring from crevices scattered over them their surfaces answered in hollow intonations to every footstep and in several places yielded to the weight of our horses steaming vapour rushed hissingly from the fractures and all around the natural vents large quantities of sulphur and crystallized form perfectly pure had been deposited this could be readily gathered with pick and shovel a great many exhausted craters dotted the hillside one near the summit still alive changed its hues like steel under the process of tempering to every kiss of the passing breeze the hottest vapours were active beneath the encrusted surface everywhere a thick leathern glove was no protection to the hand exposed to them around these immense thermal deposits the country for a great distance in all directions is filled with boiling springs all exhibiting separate characteristics the most conspicuous of the cluster is a sulphur spring twelve by twenty feet in diameter encircled by a beautifully scalloped sedimentary border in which the water is thrown to a height of from three to seven feet the regular formation of the border and the perfect shading of the scallops forming it are among the most delicate and wonderful freaks of nature's handiwork they look like an elaborate work of art this spring is located at the western base of crater hill above described and the gentle slope around it for a distance of three hundred feet is covered to considerable depth with a mixture of sulphur and brown lava 
the moistened bed of a small channel leading from the spring down the slope indicated that it had recently overflowed a few rods north of the spring at the base of the hill is a cavern whose mouth is about seven feet in diameter from which a dense jet of sulphurous vapour explodes with a regular report like a high-pressure engine a little farther along we came upon another boiling spring seventy feet long by forty wide the water of which is dark and muddy and in unceasing agitation about a hundred yards distant we discovered a boiling alum spring surrounded with beautiful crystals from the border of which we gathered a quantity of alum nearly pure but slightly impregnated with iron the violent ebullition of the water had undermined the surrounding surface in many places and for the distance of several feet from the margin had so thoroughly saturated the incrustation with its liquid contents that it was unsafe to approach the edge as one of our company was unconcernedly passing near the brink the incrustation suddenly sloughed off beneath his feet a shout of alarm from his comrades aroused him to a sense of his peril and he only avoided being plunged into the boiling mixture by falling suddenly backward at full length upon the firm portion of the crust and rolling over to a place of safety his escape from a horrible death was most marvellous and in another instant he would have been beyond all human aid our efforts to sound the depths of this spring with a pole thirty-five feet in length were fruitless beyond this we entered a basin covered with the ancient deposit of some extinct crater which contained about thirty springs of boiling clay these unsightly cauldrons varied in size from two to ten feet in diameter their surfaces being from three to eight feet below the level of the plain the contents of most of them were of the consistency of thick paint which they greatly resembled some being yellow others pink and others dark brown this semi-fluid was boiling at a fearful rate much after the fashion of a hasty pudding in the last stages of completion the bubbles often two feet in height would explode with a puff emitting at each time a villainous smell of sulphurated vapour springs six and eight feet in diameter but four feet asunder presented distinct phenomenal characteristics there was no connection between them above or below the sediment varied in colour and not unfrequently there would be an inequality of five feet in their surfaces each seemingly was supplied with a separate force they were embraced within a radius of twelve hundred feet which was covered with a strong incrustation the various vents in which emitted streams of heated vapour our silver watches and other metallic articles assumed a dark leaden hue the atmosphere was filled with sulphurous gases and the river opposite our camp was impregnated with the mineral bases of adjacent springs the valley through which we had made our day's journey was level and beautiful spreading away to grassy foothills which terminated in a horizon of mountains we spent the next day in examining the wonders surrounding us at the base of adjacent foothills we found three springs of boiling mud the largest of which forty feet in diameter encircled by an elevated rim of solid tufa resembles an immense cauldron the seething bubbling contents covered with steam are five feet below the rim the disgusting appearance of this spring is scarcely atoned for by the wonder with which it fills the beholder the other two springs much smaller but presenting the same general features are located near a large sulphur spring of milder temperature but too hot for bathing on the brow of an adjacent hillock amid the green pines heated vapour issues in scorching jets from several craters and fissures passing over the hill we struck a small stream of perfectly transparent water flowing from a cavern the roof of which tapers back to the water which is boiling furiously at a distance of twenty feet from the mouth and is ejected through it in uniform jets of great force the sides and entrance of the cavern are covered with soft green sediment which renders the rock on which it is deposited as soft and pliable as putty about two hundred yards from this cave is a most singular phenomenon which we call the muddy geyser 
it presents a funnel-shaped orifice in the midst of a basin one hundred and fifty feet in diameter with sloping sides of clay and sand the crater or orifice at the surface is thirty by fifty feet in diameter it tapers quite uniformly to the depth of about thirty feet where the water may be seen when the geyser is in repose presenting a surface of six or seven feet in breadth the flow of this geyser is regular every six hours the water rises gradually commencing to boil when about halfway to the surface and occasionally breaking forth in great violence when the crater is filled it is expelled from it in a splashing scattered mass ten or fifteen feet in thickness to the height of forty feet the water is of a dark lead colour and deposits the substance it holds in solution in the form of miniature stalagmites upon the sides and top of the crater as this was the first object which approached a geyser we naturally enough regarded it with intense curiosity the deposit contained in the water of this geyser comprises about one-fifteenth of its bulk and an analysis of it made by professor augustus Steitz of montana gives the following result silica thirty six point seven alumina fifty two point four oxide of iron one point eight oxide of calcium three point two oxide of magnesia one point eight soda and potassa four point one and one hundred while returning by a new route to our camp dull thundering sounds which general washburn likened to frequent discharges of a distant mortar broke upon our ears we followed their direction and found them to proceed from a mud volcano which occupied the slope of a small hill embowered in a grove of pines dense volumes of steam shot into the air with each report through a crater thirty feet in diameter the reports though irregular occurred as often as every five seconds and could be distinctly heard half a mile each alternate report shook the ground a distance of two hundred yards or more and the massive jets of vapour which accompanied them burst forth like the smoke of burning gunpowder it was impossible to stand on the edge of that side of the crater opposite the wind and one of our party mr hedges was rewarded for his temerity in venturing too near the rim by being thrown by the force of the volume of steam violently down the outer side of the crater from hasty views afforded by occasional gusts of wind we could see at a depth of sixty feet the regurgitating contents this volcano as is evident from the freshness of the vegetation and the particles of dried clay adhering to the topmost branches of the trees surrounding it is a very recent formation probably it burst forth but a few months ago its first explosion must have been terrible we saw limbs of trees a hundred and twenty-five feet high encased in clay and found its scattered contents two hundred feet from it we closed this day's labor by a visit to several other springs so like those already described that they require no special notice to be continued end of part two